Hey guys, happy Monday. Hi, thanks for being here with us today. We just spoke with Dr. Steve Hodges, who is a bedwetting and potty training expert. He is the country's leading authority on bedwetting, potty training, and childhood constipation. An associate professor of pediatric urology at Wake Forest University School of Medicine. Dr. Hodges has authored numerous journal articles and several books for children and parents, including Bedwetting and Accidents Aren't Your Fault and the MOP Book, a guide to the only proven way to stop bedwetting and accidents. He's a father of three, and Dr. Hodges is on a mission to inform families that bedwetting is totally misunderstood and highly treatable. So he actually had a lot of really interesting information that I had never really heard of before. So I think this one's really informative and really interesting. And if you have a bedwetter, um, this one especially would be a good one for you to listen to. If you are a mom to a young kid that hasn't gone through potty training with their kid, this is a great one to listen to. If you're struggling with potty training right now, this is a great one to listen to. And we did have another episode where we talked to um, someone who does potty training uh, as their specialty. Her method and her way of potty training was very different than what he's talking about today. Mm -hmm. So two completely different episodes. If you listen to that one, um, this is much different. Much different advice and topics that we go over with Dr. Hodges. So highly recommend, if you, even if you listen to that one. Take a listen to this one as well. Yeah. I think, honestly, I think it's interesting for any mom to listen to because as moms, like, we talk to each other, we vent to each other, we hear each other's struggles, and, like, knowing this information, there could be a mom friend of mine someday that yeah. needs it as well, and I would totally. love to be able to have it to be able to share with them. Yes, and he is located in North Carolina, but he does have virtual uh, consultations and information on his website and Facebook groups, which we go over at the end. We'll also leave that in the details of this episode for you as well. So we hope you enjoy it and let us know what you guys think. Here is our conversation with Dr. Hodges. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Hodges. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Well, we would love to start with just kind of you being able to introduce yourself to the audience. Let us know who you are and how did you get into the specialty that you're in? Yeah, great. So I'm uh, from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, originally, and that's where I work. I work at the Wake Forest University School of Medicine, Department of Urology, and uh, I'm pediatric uro pediatric urologist by training. And that field is primarily a surgical specialty. Um, you deal with congenital, you know, uh, anomalies of the kidneys and bladder and, and so forth. But about half our clinic ends up being kids with uh, voiding dysfunction. So problems with uh, peeing and pooping, for lack of a better term. And most urologists actually just have uh, some kind of uh, ancillary providers, you know, PAs, nurse practitioners that handle that for them. But at our uh, location, we did not have that. So I ended up seeing most of them. And the story goes basically that as I was doing uh, the therapy for these kids, I was going through the kind of the cookbook we have in our textbooks for these problems. I was seeing very poor results and it's, you know, uh, piqued my interest in looking into this a little further. And we found out that uh, a lot of the therapy that we do for these problems is, uh, is not accurate and not helpful. And um, we've modified that a lot and gotten a lot better results. And that's led into a lot more work with peeing and, and pooping than I ever imagined and then kind of parlayed into potty training since it's tied so closely uh, into these issues. I love that you did your own research when you found that it wasn't working, especially as a doctor. I think that's so cool. It was actually a really neat uh, series of events that led into that. We can get into that specifically if you have time. 
I mean, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued for sure. I would love to know like what, you know, what are some of the things that were recommended that weren't working? And then maybe kind of what did you find that actually, you know, was working instead? Kind of what is that transition for, for you? Yeah, it's, okay. it's, it's a really cool story. Okay, so I the standard therapy, like a kid comes into your office and they, they have bedwetting or daytime wetting or, or too many infections. And so everyone knows that there's, there's a bowel issue, you know, they're constipated. So you say, okay, are you pooping every day? Yes or no. And if they are, you give them some, if they aren't, you give them some Miralax, which is a whole nother discussion, but we give them that. We put them on a peeing schedule so they're not holding their pee too long. And, and maybe we give them some medicines to help calm down the bladder. There's some specific medicines which relax the bladder so it doesn't squeeze too often. And I was seeing these kids every three months with like zero progress. I mean, a, a lot of them. And, and uh, I think a lot of them get just chalked up to difficult cases by other docs, but I was, uh, had seen one particular kid that was having problems and also needed surgery for a, for a related issue. Um, some kids have um, kidney infections due to a condition called reflux, uh, where the urine goes back up to the kidneys when they, when they pee, basically. And we can usually get that problem handled with you know good bowel management, good bladder management. But if they don't do well, they need surgery. So this kid got booked for surgery um, after you know very well-informed, meaning, uh, well-meaning parents were, you know, optimized everything. You know, the kid was pooping well, peeing on a schedule. They were doing everything they should have been. And then when I went to do the surgery, we actually have to go into the bladder to kind of move things around. Um, the bladder was so um, moved, but just um, kind of deviated out of the its normal position from the poop in this kid's colon that it made the surgery difficult. And so I went back to the parents. I'm like, you know, this kid was so full of poop. Has she been pooping? And they're like, oh yeah, every day, no problems at all. And then the next week, as fate would have it, I went to Cincinnati for a um, course on uh, management of kids with congenital anomalies of the colon, which we're involved with somewhat as well. And those kids uh, have lifelong bowel issues. And so they manage them with um, aggressive bowel programs. And they also get x-rays on them a lot to, to monitor the bowel progress. And I was like, you know what? When I go home, I'm going to start x-raying all these kids because obviously the parents are kind of out of the loop a little bit on what's going on really. And that's what started it all. I started x-raying these kids. And every time the moms would say, this kid, this kid cannot hold their pee. They have no problem pooping at all. They are not constipated. Don't even start that. I x-ray them and they're completely full of poop. Then we treat the x-ray, meaning we get them so empty that the x-ray looks normal and they would do better miraculously. So at the time I thought, man, I'm, I'm a genius. I figured this out. This is going to be huge. And so we went and went to write it up. And a, a nephrologist in Canada had written about all this in the 80s. It would have been described as a cure for bedwetting, infections. And it was just like lost to history. I, I don't understand really what happened other than he recommended a lot of enemas. And people don't like enemas. And it kind of fell out of favor. And people just stopped doing what he said. And so we're trying to bring that back. And um, we've had great success. Wow. Wow, that's interesting. So it's now it's like treating the the built up poop basically solves all the problems. <laughs> yeah, a kind of funny <laughs> anecdote is uh, you ever seen the movie War Games? War that sounds familiar with Matthew Broderick. I don't, I don't know. Maybe you're too I'm young. You're too, you're too young and too cool. Anyway, so the guy, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> he's a he's a, a nerdy computer guy, and he's trying to track down this reclusive um, computer scientist from back in the day. And he can't find him. Like, literally, that's what happened with this uh, nephrologist. I was like, I can't believe this guy published all this. Where is he? And we couldn't find him. He'd left Canada. And he was in Arizona. 
And I remember I, I spent like a week trying to find this guy. I finally found him like in the middle of his clinic and I called him in the middle of the clinic and I was like super excited. I was like, Dr. Regan, you know, blah, blah, blah. People misunderstand this. They think it's this and they don't, it's not really constipation. And he's an Irish guy and I can't do an accent, but <laughs> he's like, yes, it's not constipation, Steve. It's incomplete emptying of the rectum. And he's helped me a lot since then become good friends. And um, yeah, it's just a weird kind of um, semantic confusion over what it means to be pooping normally. So what do we do, you know, as parents, when we're potty training our kids and we're trying to make sure that we do it the right way? Like, what's the solution or the preventative solution if there is one? Yeah. So first off, I'll say that a lot of this is genetic. So I do see a lot of kids now that are really constipated and have no problems because their parents never had problems, you know. So that becomes a philosophical question about whether or not it matters if a kid is constipated if they feel fine, you know, cause it gets tricky if you're trying to treat something that no one's complaining about. Um, but I do believe people are healthier if their colon is functioning normally. So, but that's a, so I used to be really dogmatic. I used to really be, you know, you should, shouldn't train your kids early yet. They all need to poop, you know, uh, you know, regularly. And, and I've backed off a little bit just because I know some kids do fine, but if you wanted to prevent the most, uh, if you wanted to develop a population strategy, right. That would help most kids, uh, stay healthy. Number one is you would not force potty training early, uh, which has become kind of in vogue in some circles because kids can be trained very early. P kids can be taught. And I think this is what a lot of those potty training experts do and miss the boat on is they you can teach a kid to hold their pee and poop very easily. What you can't do is teach them to go to the bathroom when they need to, because that's a uh, something that comes with maturity. So you could theoretically m set up a kid for trouble if you train them very early, or very young, and they were a super withholder. They just decided they weren't going to go to the bathroom because it's very easy for a child to put off pooping. So I would say, number one, don't force potty training. I think anytime between three and four is an age where you can communicate with them well and you can kind of get these things done uh, the right way. Um, two is aggressively treat constipation and do not ignore it. If you have a child that's struggling to poop, uh, hiding in the corner to poop, um, really look out for signs of, of, of withholding, you, you know, when you change to add rice cereal or when you change uh, to uh, cow's milk, those are all times where um, or adding solid foods. These are points in the development when constipation can occur. And it's, a, it's really good to treat that aggressively at the time. And then if you have a kid that's having accidents, whether it be daytime pee accidents, poop accidents or bedwetting, don't ignore it. Don't act like they're just being a bad kid or not going to the bathroom when they should. It's 99.9% of the time. A medical condition that you can treat by uh, fixing their bowels. So if a kid is totally fine during the day, but they're wetting their bed at night, it's usually an issue, like something medically? Yeah, it's almost always constipation. And that's a, the most controversial thing I, I probably discuss. I have people in my own department that don't agree with that. But, uh, you know, and I don't want to be like, I know everything, you know, but I, I the evidence points to me being right on this because, uh, Bedwetting is not a normal state at any point in life. It gets a little fuzzy because, you know, if you have a baby in a crib, they're going to obviously uh, wet, wet their diaper when they're sleeping. And then at five years of age, let's say people have decided that a kid should be able to stay dry at night. And when you reach an age where they're old enough to actually wake up and go to the bathroom, you know, get out of their whatever they're sleeping in and go to the bathroom on their own without being afraid or something, that's like who knows when that happens. 
But if you have a child that's peeing on themselves and and they want to be dry, you can fix it. Um, it's not something that they're going to outgrow. You can fix. It. I mean, they might outgrow it later, but you can fix it at that time if if you want to. So I'm curious. You know, we were talking a little bit earlier about the fact that Brittany and I just potty trained our kids, and our kids are two. Um, with my son, he's potty trained during the day, but he wears a diaper at night now. Like, what do you feel about that, doctor? <laughs> Is he in a crib or? He's in an open bed. He can get out. Yeah, but I just, I, I don't, you know, that's where it gets fishy. Like, so we've, we've kind of picked the age of four is when they can be dry. But um, I think, you know, it would be hard to, to tease out whether a two-year-old was wetting while they were unconscious or like just waking up and peeing their diaper because they don't they don't care you know that's when it gets uh, fuzzy but it, if, if you knew for sure that he was peeing while asleep then yeah you can you can help fix that like right right now like he's he's good during the day but at night you know I put the diaper on him like do you think that's okay like did I approach it okay I guess is what I'm asking you know like oh yeah at two, like, I, I don't know if I did it too early you know hearing you talk I'm like oh did I do a disservice to my son <laughs> you, you've, ruined, you've ruined everything. No, um, I ruined everything. I'm, I, I gave him constipation. <laughs> so is uh, the first question I'd ask is like, did you or your husband have issues with bedwetting or daytime wetting or constipation? No. no. Yeah. Yeah. So it's probably, you probably have a lot of leeway for, for that. So not a big deal. Uh, is he pooping pretty regularly? Yeah. He's a, he's a good pooper. He poops every day. Yeah. So, <laughs> he might yeah, skip so, a day here and there, but not much. Yeah. And you don't see him like hiding in the corner, like straining to. He'll hide, but he's not like straining. He's just, you know, he, privacy, privacy thing. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I don't want to, I'm not here to freak you guys out, but the, <laughs> the, uh, pooping ideally should be like a kind of a non event, you know, if they're, if they're, so he's trained, um, to pee on the potty, but won't poop on the potty or? Well, he now poops on the potty, but like in the transition of like us doing it, you know, at first he would, he was easy to pee. Like he honestly asked to go pee on the toilet. He wanted to go pee. That's kind of why we started it. Cause he was mm -hmm. leading us there and wanted to yeah. want it out of his diaper, you know? And then the poop was a little bit more of a struggle, a struggle for like a month. He would poop in his underwear, you know, and, um, he didn't want to poop on the toilet, but now randomly he just decided to start pooping on the toilet. He decided like a week or so ago to do it and and now he does it but like like and he like does it openly in front of us now but it was like a process to get there whereas mine my, my two-year-old is still she's still having issues going poop on the potty but my other two my older two were so easy to potty train they pretty much potty trained themselves no issues with pooping never once had an accident in their underwear but my two-year-old now is having issues with it so I don't know if it's a constipation thing or if she's just not ready. Well, so, yeah, I think that um, the poop, pooping is the hardest part of this, uh, of this training process. And what what's difficult is you don't want to, um, you know, you don't want to not train a kid ever. I mean, obviously, they need to poop on the toilet, but you don't want to uh, introduce something that's going to kind of create a situation where they're forced to hold, you know. So um, I don't I don't mind so much kids uh, pooping in pull ups if they're you know, train for uh, the, to pee on the toilet if, if they ask for it and don't wait. But whenever you see any holding stuff, and again, this is depends on the kid's personality and their genetics, but if they're developing a, 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 um, a habit of withholding a poop or, or it becomes a big issue, and what I was getting at is it should be, what I like to see is um, if I was going to optimally prevent problems is that, that you would, the moment you saw some kind of the pooping kind of in their head, you know, where like the pooping is not just like a, something that happens it's like an it's like a stressful event 
like mm-hmm. their their demeanor changes and they go hide in a corner that you maybe help them out a little bit, um, give them some mirror light. Because if they're putting that much thought into it, that's a lot of thought and they're probably not going when they need to. And again, they may or may not have problems, but if you gave them a little mirror lax or whatever you wanted to give them to help the process out, they would just poop and not care, you know, and then and then you'd be in a better place. It's like taking away the fear of pooping. Yeah, of. just making it. It's an intense, it's an intense process. It's uncomfortable. And um, <laughs> hiding to poop is, uh, is, is associated with constipation in like every study ever. Yeah. So, yeah. And people explain it away like, oh, they just want privacy. I mean, like, I, I get it. But yeah, usually they're like crouched in a corner, not really, not really chill. And so, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, this, this is really, this is interesting. You know, I, I, it's, I mean, I don't, I, you know, I'm never sure if I'm doing things right as a mom or not, you know, and it's interesting to kind of, to, to know more information about the way to go about things, you know, and, um, you know, when you talk, it kind of reminds me of my niece because she had a withholding issue, a really bad one, you know, where she would hold it for days and days. And, um, they, they, they just kind of put off potty training for a while because of it. And now it's like, it makes sense. She needed to probably put off potty training because she was a withholder. And that was something that she maybe wasn't ready for. I mean, is that accurate? Oh yeah. You want to have the pot constipation handled before you train them just because it's going to make everything much more difficult. And w- one of the best, um, I think examples of why potty training is a bad thing, not, not a bad thing like in general, but for kids that are young or having issues is that, um, urinary tract infections in little girls are a pretty common diagnosis we see in our clinic. Um, and if they're a, a simple UTI, which not to get into complicated things, but if they're just, it's just a bladder infection, right? It's not involving their kidneys. They're otherwise healthy, normal kids. I only see those in little girls uh, right during or after potty training. So you have this kid that's, you know, peeing and pooping in a diaper freely. It's mostly girls, obviously, for anatomic reasons. And then the moment they start training, if they're prone, um, prone to infections, they will start getting them. And then it's a, it's a, it's a burden for the families because these kids are, you know, getting recurrent infections. And and that's a, just a way to me in my brain, it shows how the behavior really affects the physiology and how their holding can, can kind of, uh, muck things up a bit. Interesting. Okay. So I, so you're saying, you know, hold off on potty training and wait. So is there, is there like signs of readiness? Cause you're saying maybe between three and four, but is there any things that you look for as, as far as like when they're ready? So, yeah, I mean, if assuming they're developmentally normal, you know, they're on the, the, they're reaching their milestones normally. Uh, three and a half is typically an age where, you know, they're old enough, you can discuss it with them. They can express to you that they need to poop or they have to poop or they didn't poop. They can dress and undress themselves. They can kind of get to the toilet. You know, they can manage these things well. And and just for my, you know, N of three, my kids, you know, that when I, my, I was always me trying to delay it and my wife trying to speed it up <laughs> and um I, when we did stuff uh like for the last two she, you know for the first one out we waited a long time and she actually had a, a pooping issue in terms of she didn't want to go on the toilet which is i think beneficial that we went slow because she eventually did that and that's a whole nother story but for the other two when we tried to start at three they just weren't ready and i, and I could see like as a, my ability to kind of understand what they were doing and how they were feeling and um, I was so, so neurotic about it. You know, I would come home from work and the first thing they would tell me is they pooped, you know, cause I was so obsessed with them. Pooping okay. <laughs> and so I think making it top of mind was important too. So they, they knew that it wasn't something, 
um, that, you know, they would just manage on their own. We talked about it a lot. And if you just train a kid and never mention pooping, you'll really never know what they're, what they're doing. Um, unless you're following them around. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think this is, it's so important to hear that three and a half is a, is a nice age because I feel like in the mom community, unfortunately there's a lot of shame around when your kid is potty trained and there's a lot of pressure um, pressure to do it earlier and be proud of that. And, and if, and then like moms see their, another kid potty trained at two, which is early, you know, um, that might make them feel bad. So I think this is a good message for moms to hear too. Yeah. And it's a, it's a kind of two-sided message. Number one is that training early, it, it's so weird, you know, how socially we're all like, assume we're getting kind of better at discussing things and being better people. But for certain topics like this one, we're all still horrible <laughs> because people call, uh, you know, politicians that behave badly, bedwetting politicians, which is totally insensitive to the people I deal with. And then um, there is some kind of weird pride in like a kid being trained early. And in reality, it's not really anything, you know, like I said, you could train a six month old to to go on the potty as some people do, but it doesn't mean it's a good idea. Um, But the other side is I I wouldn't want anyone to take what I said, you know, have show up to school with a five-year-old that's having accents and be like, well, Dr. Hodges said I don't want to train him (laughs) because you know, if they're if they're five and they can't go to the bathroom, then something's wrong, right? You have the other issue. Maybe they are constipated and they can't control it. So you don't want to you don't want to train them too early, where then they get constipated. But you don't want to just say that my four and a half year old is just not ready to potty train because at that age they're old enough to know where they should do it, and if they can't, then they probably have an issue that needs resolution. So would this information apply to people who have older children that are wetting the bed that maybe have already been potty trained and they wet Oh, totally. Them? Yeah. I, I really, if I could scream anything from the rooftops, it was, is that would be that accents should not be happening. If you have a kid that's having poop accents, I mean, I can fix those in like a couple weeks. So they mm-hmm. should not be having poop accents. And if you have a kid that's bed wetting, I mean, that's harder to fix, but we can fix that. It should not be happening. And, um, I'm not offering some miracle cure or anything, but if you fix the root cause, it will go away. And don't let anyone tell you that, you know, they'll outgrow it and your kid's 15 and still wetting the bed because you've waited a long time and for no reason, really. Yeah. So you say you can fix it in a couple of weeks, you know, and, and I think if I remember, are you in New York or New- North, North Carolina? North Carolina. <laughs> Sorry, I apologize. I knew I was like, and something. Um, so you're in North Carolina. So, you know, we're in Arizona and our followers are everywhere. So like, can they see you virtually or do you have some advice for them on what they can do at home to kind of help the situation? Because I don't think every doctor is going to have the same knowledge as you. Yeah, for sure. I, I want to clarify, I can't fix bedwetting in two weeks. I can fix poop axes. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> poop axes are easy to fix, but bedwetting takes a little more work. But um, yeah, we have a, a website, uh, bedwettingandaccidents.com. That's bedwettingandaccidents.com. And on that site, you can link to get access to, um, uh, our you know virtual consults which are much more popular obviously in 2020 yeah. um and then you know we have a lot of resources of books where you can kind of do it on your own and we have some uh docs that do follow our our philosophy around the country uh, and some physical therapists as well and then we have some handouts that you can download to give your doctor maybe to show or, you know not to um try to sh- you know show another doctor up but just to be like hey this is a strategy what do you think about this mm-hmm. But definitely we're available to help people, which might be the easiest approach. Yeah, no, I love that. We, I wrote it all down. We'll make sure to share it with them too. So that way if they have 
follow up questions and concerns and everything that they're able to reach out to you. Yeah. Um, you know, I was kind of reading about you and, and your beliefs and everything as well. And, and you, you believe that kids can't like there are medical conditions that children absolutely can't control and should never be shamed or blamed for like bribery rewards and punishment should play no role. Um, so I want to make sure we kind of talked about that as well. Like, and like your well, further, your thoughts on that, I guess. Yeah. You know, I'll see really well-meaning physicians. I mean, good people that, you know, their bedwetting philosophy is to make the kid change the sheets or something, which is like, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't care if, I mean, I don't care if the kid changed the sheets, if the mom's busy or something, but that, that totally implies that they did something wrong. And, yeah. they, and I can't begin to understand what goes in everyone's subconscious, but the, if you're, if you're, if you're peeing while you're unconscious, you can't control it. Yeah. And so that's a, that's a known medical condition. It's an uninhibited bladder contraction. It's a bladder spasm that happens while you're asleep. And we can get into the science behind it, but it definitely, doesn't help them um, to be punished. And also, I don't know the specific data. We try to look into this, but it pee and poop accidents are a major cause of child abuse because we've done such a bad job as society as as discussing, you know, what the real causes are. And so if we could save, you know, one kid from from that, that would be worthwhile. Mm-hmm. That's heartbreaking. Oh, it's horrible. And, you know, I, I know it's frustrating when kids have accidents, but if we, it should be common knowledge amongst parents, like, oh, look, your kid may poop on themselves. This is why, as opposed to what most, I hate to say it, but a lot of pediatricians will say, oh, it, you know, when they want to be dry, they'll be dry, or it's a phase, or they're just trying to control something. And that lends itself towards blame, uh, mm-hmm. which is horrible. Yeah, so never shame your kid for having an accident in the bed. Yeah, if you, if you, yeah, if, if they can, um, well, look at it this way. If, if, they, if they're having accidents because they can't control it, Number one, there are a lot of medical conditions that we rule out, you know, other than the constipation. They're super rare and most people pick them up, but you don't know if one of those is going on, right? So you have to have a doctor, first of all, if the kid's having accidents, rule out one of those rare medical conditions where, re- where they really can't control it. You know, there's some kids that can never be continent because they're born with a, some kind of weird neurologic or anatomic problem. And so you need to rule that out. So if you have a kid having accidents, make sure that's not going on. If that's all ruled out, then it's probably constipation. And if you had a kid that was really having accents, then, you know, uh, and I've never seen one, honestly, that was doing it on purpose, then you, you need a psychologist. You know, you don't need to punish them. You need to find out why this aberrant behavior is happening. So in none of those circumstances is the kid really to blame. There's a there's a problem going on um, somewhere with all of it. Yeah, I love that message. Thank you so much for sharing all of your you know, insights today and your tr- um, tips and tricks and stuff for us. I think I learned a lot yeah. personally, and I'm sure every mom listening to this is going to learn a lot from you. Oh yeah, no problem. My pleasure. So besides the website, do you have an Instagram that you would like our followers to follow you at and be able to learn from you? Yeah. Yeah. I have a, a, a Dr. Steve Hodges. I have a Twitter and Instagram at the same, same account, Dr. Steve Hodges. And, um, we have a Facebook page, uh, Bedwetting and Accents, a Facebook page as well, which is pretty active. We have a public one. And then we have several private ones you obviously have to pay to join. But um, that's for um, – and we've broken that up into three groups. One is for you know kids having accents, and then we have a – which is Bedwetting and Accents private forum. Then we have a teen, teens and tweens page. Tween, tween, tweens <laughs> and teens page because some of the older kids just didn't like being you know on the page with the younger kids. Mm-hmm. And then we have a pre-mop page, which is 
for constipation issues uh, and, and potty training. So before you're trained, but kids that are having trouble pooping, which might have tied in with kind of your niece that you mentioned earlier. And that's called pre-mop. Uh, mop is our, our protocol, which is the modified O'Regan protocol. Dr. O'Regan was the guy I mentioned at the beginning in that story. And so we took his protocol, we modified it. And that's, so, that's our treatment protocol. It's called MOP. And then if you're having constipation issues before you're trained, we call that pre-MOP. Awesome. All right. Well, make sure to leave all of this in the details on the episode. I really think a lot of moms are going to appreciate this one. So we appreciate you coming on talking to us today. Yeah, thank you guys. And if you need any help with your own kids, let me know. <laughs> we definitely oh, we will. will. We will. Thank you, Dr. Hodges. Have a good rest of the day. You too. Thanks. Bye. Bye.